everybody. Glad you're here. Uh, we are starting a new series today called Aim at Heaven. I heard a quote earlier, uh, well last year, that um, it went like this by C.S. Lewis. It says, it said, aim at heaven and get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. So, so we're, we're, we're aiming at heaven. We're seeking God first. And we're believing that God's going to do mighty, mighty things in and through our lives. And what what, what I've discovered about myself is most, most of my New Year's resolutions are all aimed at earth. Um, you know what? You, know, my, you, you take our body or, you know, our management or finances or, you know, whatever. You, you, you fill in the blank. We all have things we'd say, oh, man, I'd love for this to be better, that to be better, my family. It's, it, not, it's not bad, but it's just aimed at earth. And so I want to challenge us. What would it look like if we kind of lifted our gaze and focus and aimed our lives at heaven and just trust that God's going God's to work out the rest as, as we seek Him. So let's turn uh, to Colossians chapter 3. I want to use uh, this verse, these two verses, as kind of a template over the next uh, couple weeks for us as we study uh, the Word together. It simply says this, um, If you've been raised with Christ, seek, could you say that word with me? Seek, seek. We're going to talk about that today. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And this is what we're going to talk about next week. Set your minds on things that are where? Above, not on things that are on the earth. And if you uh, have your Bible, turn over with me to uh, Ezekiel chapter 43. It's on the screen as well. I want to share with you um, a passage from the life of the prophet Ezekiel when God was prophesying, God was speaking to him about the restoration of the temple. I want to share an insight with you um, that, that uh, was shared with me from uh, Pastor Jensen Franklin in Gainesville, Georgia. He's led a prayer and fasting movement for years and years and years. And um, I want to use this, this, this one story from the scripture as kind of a vehicle to share what I feel like the Lord has put on my heart for today. It says, Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 12, this is the law of the temple. The whole territory on the top of the mountain and around shall be most holy. So this is where you're supposed to build the temple. It says, Behold, this is the law of the temple. Verse 13. These are the measurements of the altar by cubits. A cubit being a cubit and a hand breath. I'll give you my title in just a little bit. But I want to pray and just ask the Lord to speak to us here today on this first Sunday of a new year. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for meeting with us, with us in this place. Lord, we need you. I need you. Lord, as a church, we can't do this without you. We gather the first of every year to say, Lord, we need your hand. We need your touch. We need your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody said amen. In Ezekiel chapter 43, um, God spoke to Ezekiel about how he was supposed to build the temple. And he's telling them, he's telling him that whenever you're rebuilding the temple, uh, I want you to measure it a certain way. First of all, God was telling him that the temple was to be rebuilt because the people of Israel for 70 years had uh, went away from God. And um, the, the temple where they came to worship had literally been destroyed. 
and God had a plan that was greater than their failure. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that, that, that loves us despite our mistakes and despite our failures? And, and regardless of what 2018 was like, I want you to know that, that, that God wants to rebuild some things in your life. God wants to build some things brand new. And, and your greatest failure does not thwart the plan and purpose of God. That God wants to do something and build something in your life. And so when, when, when he's telling Ezekiel about how to build the temple, he, he, he does something that, that's, that, that's a little bit different or off. And I'm sure um, Ezekiel would have, would, would have been surprised and taken notice. But, but when, at a kind of a cursory reading, it's easy, to, it's easy to miss it. But he tells him he wants to measure the, uh, the temple that he's building in cubits. So the word cubit is a common measurement in the Bible days because they didn't have rulers that had you know, inches, feet, or, uh, or yards, or all the, the modern ways that we standardize measurements. Uh, the standard measurement, or a standard measurement in the Bible days were, was a cubit. And uh, what a cubit was, was six hands, or six hand breaths. And so uh, if you can participate with me today, uh, t- take your hand... And, and, and tuck your thumb under. Uh, this is actually how, in, in the equestrian world, this is how they measure horses even to this day. But this is, this is a hand. Aren't you glad you came to church? You're learning a lot already. Man, this is just awesome. Um, but if you would take, take, and then take the bend of your arm, like where your, where your elbow is and bend there, and take your, take your hand there and, and, and measure, say one, two, three, four, five, six. It should be pretty close unless you just got a, some kind of interesting arm happening there. <laughs> um, that, that, that this, if you have a, this is a cubit. This, this, this arm is a cubit. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's pretty close. Obviously, every, everyone's arm is a little bit different. But this was a very standard way that they would, that they would measure the arm, uh, measure what was being built. Uh, Noah's ark was measured in cubits. So Noah's Ark, that's how, that's how it was, was measured. And, and, and so much so that the cubit represented really the strength of man and the, the, number, the number six, you know, the, the strength of man to be able to build. This, this, this arm, this part of the arm is called the mother of the arm because it produces all of the ideas that are in the mind of man, that the great homes and cities, that they were imagined in the head, but without the cubit of a man... Uh, there, there would be no roads, there would be no homes, there, there would be no uh, computers. Think of all of the things in the last, uh, since the dawn of time that have been built with the cubit of a man's arm, of a, of a man's hand. Uh, and, and one man said, this is the, the mother of the arm, then this is the father of the arm. So I deal with that. But, um, <laughs> but, but I think it's interesting, when you think of all the, the amazing things that has happened because the strength of, of, of men and women and, and people that, that, that they've, they've, they've imagined things and then and the strength brings it about. You think about uh, the, the computers and the apps and the, the, all the things that have been built in, in uh, modern medicine. You think about uh, we are able to operate on, on hearts and brains and uh, unravel the mysteries of DNA to, uh, to, to put people on the moon because of the strength of the cubit of a man. Uh, bridges are built. Uh, skyscrapers are made. Uh, this, this service right now is being broadcast uh, to, to people around the world uh, because of the strength and, and, and the ingenuity and, and the mind and, and, and ultimately the cubit, the, the hand of a man that, that, 
that, that we can hop in a plane today in, in the hand of a man. Someone imagined that and, and brought it to be. The seat you're sitting in, the clothes you're wearing, the, the, the screen that's behind me, this table, everything around us has been fashioned, thought in the mind of a man, and then fashioned through the, through the, through the hands, through the, through the cubit of a man. And it's interesting that whenever God is speaking to Ezekiel about the temple that, that, is, that, is called, that he's called to build and to be rebuilt... He actually changes the measurement of the temple. He said, for everything else, I'm, you have the, the measurement of a cubit, but I want to show you how you're supposed to measure my house. We read it there together in verse 13 of Ezekiel 43. He says, these are the measurements of the altar by cubits. And then he, in parentheses, he describes what a cubit is from God's perspective for, for the building of the house. It says, the cubit being a cubit and a hand. In other words, Ezekiel, you can build everything else in the world with a cubit, with the hand of a man. But if you are going to build my house, if you're going to build my temple, God says it's not enough to just have your own ingenuity, ability, creativity. It's not enough to just have the, the cubit of a man. He said, if you're going to build my house, it takes another hand in addition to your hand for it to be built. He says, you can build everything else with six hand breaths, but if you're going to build God a temple, if you're going to build a family of faith, if you're going to build a home that's enduring for the kingdom of God, that it's more than what your hands can provide. It takes a seventh hand to be able to build what God has called us to build. See, you may build a house with your hands, but to make it a home, a godly home, it takes the hand of God. We may build a building. We may have a building where we meet, and there may be lights and sound and man's ingenuity. But church, the only thing that'll take a building, an old DMV, and turn it into a church and turn it into a house of God where lives are changed is the seventh hand. Come on, somebody. See, a seventh hand will take a shepherd boy and turn him into a giant killer. Uh, the seventh hand will take a burned out man on the backside of a desert and make him the leader of over a million people and lead them out of slavery to Canaan's land of freedom. You see, when you get the hand of God on your life and the, the flames can't burn you, said the three Hebrew boys that were thrown in the fiery furnace. Nehemiah, a simple servant to a king, when the hand of God got on him, he rebuilt a whole city. Church, I came to tell you that what God has called us to do, we can't do it in our own power. We can't do it in our own ability. It takes the hand of Almighty God getting on our hand. And that's what I came to preach about today. I'm just titling this message, Don't Forget the Seventh Hand. Don't forget the seventh hand, Ezekiel. Before you go to build in 2019, before you get all your resolutions and all the plans and goals and, 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 and get it all, don't forget the seventh hand. And that's why as a church we have 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because I, I don't want us as a congregation to ever forget that you may put, we, we may as human beings put a spaceship on the moon, but if we're ever going to build a church, it's going to take the hand of Almighty God. It's going to take God's seventh hand touching our hands, and that's what builds, and that's what builds things for eternity. You see, man is strong because of God's giftedness that he's put on him. But let us never forget, 
that John 15, 15 simply says this, that without me, speaking of Jesus, we can do nothing. You say, well, no, we... We've went to the moon. We, 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 we've invented all kinds of things. We have the internet. Yeah, we can do nothing of eternal value without the hand of God on our hand. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it takes the pressure off of you and me to, to, to do something in our own power and it puts it on the hand of God. He says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The scripture says that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, we need the hand of God on our hand if we're going to do something great with the new year. And it's so easy as a, as a people, as a church, to just aim our lives in 2019 at earth about our relationships, our, our education, or our knowledge, or our, our, our wealth, our careers, or our health, all of these. We just aim at, their, aim at all those things, but I believe God would say, what would happen if in 2019 you aimed your life at heaven Every day you woke up, you aimed it at heaven and say, okay, God, I'm going to humble myself before you. I'm going to aim my life at heaven because I have to have that seventh hand that's greater than what I can do with my own life. I, 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 I'll never forget whenever I first started preaching, I was just 18 years old, and there was a man about 30 minutes away from where I lived in western Kentucky that would invite me to come preach for him. And his name was Brother Clement. He's went on to be uh, with the Lord, and, but he was such a good man. And he would always tell a story about whenever he was a young man at church, he said that they would have at the end of every service a time for people to come down and get prayed for and, and, and for healing or for deliverance. Or, and, and that's probably why we do that here because uh, I've, I've, I've seen God heal. I, I still believe God's a healer. We don't just come to church to, to get a homily, three points, and go home. We come to encounter the living God and to be changed and touched by His power. I really believe that God's in this place and anything can happen. Depression has to flee at the name of Jesus and, and cancer's not greater than, than that name. And, and, and He would tell me the story about his pastor, whenever he was, a, he was a young man, he said he remembered his pastor at the end of a service laying hands on a group of people that, that, had, that had needs. And he said it's like God gave him a vision while he was watching those people be prayed for. And he said it's as if when, when, that, when his pastor's hand would, would go to touch the head of that person with a need, he said it's like another hand came out of, the, out of the ceiling and through the ceiling, this huge, massive hand. This other hand would come down and it would touch the head of that person as, as the pastor's hand would come in he'd lift his hand the hand would go and then he'd bring his hand to the next person and that hand of God would come down church we need the hand of God that, that, that idea I've never it's never left my mind because this hand is not enough my hands are not enough my mind is not enough and we need the hand of God in 2019 to do what he's called us to do don't forget the other hand don't forget the seventh hand I think this is what King Uzziah, if we were able to talk to him today in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, I think this is what he would tell us. He has an amazing story about the hand of God that came on his life. In verse 3, it says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign. 16 years old. How crazy would that be? Having 16-year-olds in the house, anybody 16? There we go. Garrett would be like, 16, you're the president, you know, like you're now the king the ruler the 16 years old he's like that would be awesome i'm in yeah sign me up 
But watch this story of a 16-year-old king when he began to reign. He reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jeconiah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all his father Amaziah has done, had done. Verse 5, watch this. He set himself to seek God. 16-year-old king. Don't, don't matter how old you are. When you start seeking God, you, you, your life not only changes, but it, but it can change a nation, change your world. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. Watch this. And as long as he did what? Sought the Lord. I want to read that one more time. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. How many times do we spend our lives trying to prosper? We strive at trying to prosper. We strive at trying to figure everything out. Try to make our lives work. And here in the story of a 16-year-old king, you see him simply seeking God. And as long as he sought God, God says, I'm making you prosper. Everybody else may be striving to prosper, but you're seeking me. I'm just going to make you to prosper. There's no other choice. You're going to prosper because you're seeking after me. And the rest of this chapter reads like a greatest hits reel. Verse 6, he broke through the wall of Gath. He built cities in the territory of Ashdod. 16-year-old king. Verse 7, God helped him against the Philistines and the Arabians and the Menuhites. Verse 8, his fame spread even to the border of Egypt. He became very strong. He built, verse 9, he built towers. He built towers at Jerusalem. Verse 10, he built towers in the wilderness. He had large herds. Verse 11, he had an army of soldiers. Verse 12 says there's 307,500 of them. Verse 15 says in Jerusalem, watch this, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers of the corner to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped. Church, the key to the blessing and the prosperity and the favor of God is directly connected with us seeking God. God helped him not because he was the wisest or the strongest. He was just a 16-year-old king. But he looked at who he was. And he looked at the task ahead of him. And he bowed his knees to his great God. And he said, God, I cannot do this without you. And God says, as long as you'll stay on your knees seeking God, God says, I'll bless you. I'll spread the fame of the kingdom far and wide. I'll do more than you could ever imagine. But then the last phrase of this chapter says this, till he was strong. Verse 16, for when he was strong, he grew proud to his own destruction. See, church, I want to sh a man on his knees, a lady on her knees, will never fall from this place of seeking God. In 2019, I just came with a full heart to, I don't even know how to say what's all in my heart, but to simply say, church, let's always be a church on our knees before God. Let's never think we know enough or strong enough or, or wise enough, but let's always stay like Uzziah before the Lord saying, Lord, we're just seeking after you. 
And as we seek after God in 2019, as we aim at heaven, city hills, all the things that God will do. But let us never forget, this is why we're strong. Why are we strong? Why is God doing so many great things at City Hills? I'll tell you. Because before we had the first service, there's a group of people that got down on their hands and knees 21 days in the morning time before going to work. Just a couple people, just sometimes two, sometimes three. But, but, but God said, that's enough because I can save by many or I can save by few. And he says, he, he said, when you seek me, when, when you seek me, you're going to find me. And God does mighty things when we seek after him. God does mighty things when we, when we call unto him and reach out to him. So I'm going to give you three things. How do we... How do we not forget the seventh hand? How are we going to aim at heaven during these 21 days of prayer and fasting during this new year? Here's, here's, some, here's some ideas if you're taking notes. Number one, make the choice to humble yourself. Choose to humble yourself. 2019, take a lesson from Uzziah. Choose to humble yourself. See, here's the reality in life. You can either humble yourself or you will be humbled. I've been there. I'll tell you, it's much better humbling yourself. It's much better making the decision here at the first of the year to say, God, I, I don't think too much of myself. Lord, all the victories, I have those victories because of what you've done. Maybe it'd be good for somebody to remind yourself of where God brought you from. Some of you should not be in this room here right now. Some of you should not be alive today. Some of you should not be married to the person you're married to right now because if, if, if by all, but, but by everybody's wisdom, the enemy had you where he wanted you, but God came through and he, he made a way where there was no way and he provided for you and, 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 and when you didn't have enough and he's been there along the way, I want to challenge you, humble yourself. Fasting is humbling. Prayer is humbling. That's why we fast and pray because Man, there's no humbling like when you're hungry. Can I get a witness, somebody? <laughs> get hungry. Whenever we have these uh, prayer guides that you can take, learn about fasting, learn about prayer. Make a decision to humble yourself before God. Respond to the call where He said to seek His face. Psalm chapter 27. David writes this about his own life in verse 8. It says this, You have said, seek my face. Man, this is somebody's word today. It's, I know it's for me for sure. It says, You've said, seek my face. And he responds, My heart says to you, God, your face, Lord, do I seek. What was David saying? This is the king. He says, God, I'm hearing a call. And the call's saying it's time to seek my face, David. And David says, okay, God, your face, Lord, I'll seek. God, I'll get down on my knees again and say, Lord, I can't run this kingdom without you. I can't be the man you've called me to be without you, Lord. It was you who found me out in the field when my father forgot me. It was you who anointed me king of Israel. I, I humble myself again and I say, I'm seeking after your face. God will do amazing things as you humble yourself and fast and pray. Here's the second thing if you're taking notes. Not only choose to humble yourself, number two, choose to sacrifice. See, cultural Christianity is not enough. Cultural Christianity is built on convenience. 
But the only thing that attracts the favor of God on our life is conviction and sacrifice. And many times if, if church is just a place you attend and when we all get in a rut, I get in a rut. So easy just to get in a rut coming to church and done this my whole life. It's easy just to get in a rut of comfortableness. Just come, I know what the songs are. I know what the verses are. I know, and just we can just kind of go through the motions. But, but church, when we sacrifice, I, I'm just challenging somebody, it's time to make a sacrifice to God. When we sacrifice, it gets God's attention. And it gets the favor of God on our lives. See, there's a difference between the love of God and the favor of God. God's love for you will never change. You can't do enough things to get God to love you any more than he does right now. He forever displayed his love for us on the cross. He gave his only son. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation or to get God to love you anymore. He loves you. But there's something different when it comes to the favor of God. When you sacrifice, you get the favor of God on your life. And God does mighty things in you and through you. When you choose to humble yourself and when you choose to make a sacrifice to God. This is what Daniel Discovered in the book of Daniel chapter 10. The book of Daniel chapter 10 and verse 2. This is where we get the idea of the Daniel fast. If you go to our website, cityhills.com, click on the 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, link there. There's all kinds of information about how to fast in the Daniel fast. But here's where we get it from. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 2. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth. He humbled himself. He didn't eat what he wanted to eat. He, he made a sacrifice to God for, for three full weeks. It says, verse 10, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees and said, O Daniel, man greatly loved. That word there for greatly loved is the same word that we read earlier for delicacies. In other words, greatly desirable Whenever he made a sacrifice of what was greatly desirable to Daniel, God says, Daniel, you have become greatly desirable to me. And I want your hand on my... God says, I, I want to bless you, Daniel. And, and, and we read on where, where, where God speaks to Daniel and God begins to do a work in Daniel's life. Church, I want to encourage someone. It's time to sacrifice. It's time to go beyond just cultural Christianity and make the decision, Lord, I'm going to seek you with all of my life, with all of my heart. Sometimes, some of us... Uh, fasting is not just food um, for many of us myself included we need to fast the noise of life and society and the internet and news and social media all the things that just, just noise in our lives so that's a sacrifice absolutely but when you start quieting the noise I promise the voice of God is there it's always there and when many times the world around us is just so, so loud we can't hear it. So fa fasting food, there's all kinds of different ways to fast. Fasting media. But ultimately, whatever is a sacrifice to you. I said this on first Wednesday. Let's let the conversation here at the church not be, hey, what are you fasting? Let's let the conversation be, hey, what do you believe in God for? Because it's not about setting who's more spiritual for doing this kind of fast or that kind of fast. No, it's not, that's not what the, we're about. But, but, but you do what's a sacrifice between you and God. You take this to you and God and your family and you, you, you get a sacrifice before God and then believe God for something great. And that's the third thing. Choose to stand on the promise of God during this 
season of seeking God. Remind yourself of the promises that God's spoken to you in your life that are yet unfulfilled. Because I, I would imagine many of us in this place, life has kicked out from under you the dreams that you once had. You have words and prophetic words that God has spoken over your life and life has a way of causing us to forget those things. And I want to challenge you again to remember the promise of what God said He's going to do in your life and start standing on those promises. In this, uh, in this prayer, God, there's an opportunity right as you open it to, to write down what you're believing God for. I encourage you today, before this day is over if you haven't already get with your family or your spouse or your friends get find find a partner find someone you can do this with let's agree together on the promise of God and what we're believing God for in your worship God there's a little prayer card and at the end of this service anyone who would like to have and that prayer request, that need you're believing God for, prayed over during 21 days of prayer. As you saw, first service, they already have all tons of prayer requests down here. Take a moment, write that out. Because we're believing God's going to do awesome and mighty things as we don't forget the promise that God's put on our life. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 41 is a time in Israel's history and I'll conclude with this. A time in Israel's history where there was no rain. Kind of representative of seasons and dry seasons in our lives or transition seasons in our lives. That many times looking forward to a new year. In verse 41 of 1 Kings chapter 18. It says, Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there's a sound of the rushing of rain. They had had no rain, but I love Elijah because he starts speaking like he hears the rain. I believe I'm talking to some people here that you can hear the rain. You don't see the rain. It doesn't look like the rain's coming in 2019. But you say, I got some faith here on this first Sunday. I can, I can hear the rain. Speak in faith. I love that. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to seek God at the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down to the earth and put his face between his knees. He starts seeking God. He starts getting down. He starts humbling himself before God. I can just see him on the top of that mountain. He's the prophet. He's believing there's faith coming. He believes there's something mighty happening. He's got his face between his knees and he's just seeking after God. He's praying and he's desperate for God. And he tells his servant, he says, I want you to go while I sit here and pray. I want you to go and I want you to check the horizon and tell me what's coming. He says, I'm just believing. I just love this picture of what's happening. He's praying and his servant's going. He goes back and he says, no, no rain. And Elijah, he, say, he keeps praying. He says, you go again a second time. And he keeps on praying. He keeps on seeking God. He comes back a second time. He says, there's no clouds. There's nothing. He goes two times. He goes three times. He goes four times. He goes five times. He, get, he goes six times and there's still no rain. And Elijah looks at the servant and he says, I want you to go the seventh time. And you read it in your Bible. He comes back the seventh time and he says, I saw something. He says, what did you see? He said, I saw a hand. He said, I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. 
What's that? The seventh time. That's the hand of God coming to bring the rain in the middle of a dry season. Church, I came to tell you when you do the six steps, when you serve, whenever you seek God and do what you can do, I promise the seventh hand is coming to bring the rain that you could never do on your own. The seventh hand is on the way. Do you believe it here today? I'm yelling today. Sometimes I tell it, today I'm yelling it. But do you believe that? Church, God can only meet us at our level of expectation. See, here's what's going to happen. You may seek God tomorrow. Maybe, maybe a few days this week. What's the report? No rain. If I could encourage you, just keep on seeking God. You, you do what you can do by the hand of a man. You seek God. You trust God. You get your kids seeking God. My, my, my six-year-old boy, we, he just hears us talking about this whole thing. And he said to me two days ago, he said, Dad, he said, you know what I'm fasting? Which we hadn't even, he just has heard us talking about it. He said, you know what I'm fasting? I said, what? He said, chocolate. You know what? That little boy, only the hand of God. You know, we live in the middle of a crazy world. And I thank God the only way that my sons are going to be saved and be who you've called them to be, it's not going to be because of me. It's going to be because they've got another hand on their life. The hand of God. Church, we, we, we can't do it without it. We can't live this life without it. We can't build a church without it. We can't move forward without it. We can't get to another place as a car without it. It takes the hand of God. The hand of God has got us to where we are. And the hand of God's going to get us to what God has for us in the future. Why don't you give God thanks and praise all over the house. Let's stand to our feet. Is there anybody in this place the first Sunday? of this new year you just lift up your hand and say I'm seeking him I'm going to make the choice to seek God I'm going to make the choice to seek God let me see your hand just as a response to God yes God I'm going to seek you you say I heard I hear the voice of God saying seek my face and I respond your face Lord do I seek I want to tell you this is for 16 year old kids this is for 13 year old kids this is for college students this is, for, this is for, for young adults. This is for newlyweds. This is for, for people that, that have recently retired. This is for every single person. This is for people that are, that, that, that are re recently empty nests. This is for everybody. God says, you'll seek my face. You won't even believe what I'll do in and through your life. Lord, we receive it. Thank you for your word, Lord. I need this. We need this. I make a fresh declaration to say, God... My hand's not enough. Would you bring the seventh hand? And I'm going to choose to seek after you with everything that I am. My heart, my soul, my life, my mind, my will, my, like every aspect. I'm going to look at heaven. I'm going to aim at heaven and trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name.